Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Mystique Way with your host, Andy. I hope you're all doing wonderful and having a fantastic year. I want to welcome you to gently close your eyes or have a soft gaze down to the floor, relaxing your shoulders, relaxing your eyes. Releasing tension that's in the body, your arms, legs, feet, jaw, tongue. Taking a nice inhale through your nose and exhale out your mouth. Bringing your awareness to this moment as we are going to navigate through life's obstacles and how we as a society can assist in enhancing the quality of life for all individuals. I know that in the past we focused on our garden, we focused on our foundations, building the lifestyle that we desire. And as I was taking time, I looked back at my journey when I was recovering from surgery. I was looking back at the fact that accessibility standards need to be increased. I noticed that the timelines from when the ADA was created to this current point. Now, if you go on the ADA.gov website, they mentioned that a building that was built after January 26th, 1992, the facility is readily accessible and usable after the 1992. So the buildings that were built before 1992 were able to kind of squeeze past the regulations. Now, if you've ever been in a wheelchair or you've ever been with any accessible devices, you know that, for example, the ramps are not sufficient. I did a 24-hour uh, experiment for edu- for education purposes and for extra credit for one of my classes. It was... You had to stay in the wheelchair for 24 hours and write about your experience. So I was like, you know what, Andy? I'm going to go and live my life as I used to live my life. I'm not going to trap myself in my bedroom or not go to class because of these 24 hours. I was in the wheelchair going to class and someone just comes up right behind me and gives me a push. Didn't say who it was, didn't know the person. They were doing it out of kindness and thinking that they were helping me. It made me feel violated actually. It made me feel like 
that in my experience, people try and go above and beyond to help other people, but then they also kind of don't know how to go about it. And it was really awkward and I like had to like turn around and if I was quadriplegic or if I was semi-plegic and it was hard for me to turn, then that action could have actually hurt a person. And the person behind me was like, oh, I know that this um, bridge is actually really, really steep and it's hard to get up. I just wanted to help you and I literally didn't really know what to say. I was just like, oh, thank you for your help. Um, and then I would go into bathrooms in the school and some of the bathrooms were not as accessible as they would say that they are. Sometimes the buttons wouldn't work. Sometimes the accessible bathroom was being used by someone that didn't have accessible equipment. Um, the door might swing open instead of in towards the stall. And if you think about it, if the door is opening to, towards you, then the person in the wheelchair needs to back up and then open the door. Um, I've also noticed that the height of water fountains could be more accessible. Sinks could be lowered. Um, I'm short to begin with. I'm not an average height person. So you put someone that's short like me in a wheelchair, then yes, the sinks are going to be higher. Um, and then desks at schools, desks in offices, desks just all around are not accessible. I became a paradance instructor and our counter was not accessible at the front desk. So we had to adapt and use a... We lowered, um, like, a table and we created, like, a signing sheet so that people felt welcomed. The hump going onto the dance floor sometimes would trip people up because it was higher than people would think. Now, this building was not built after 1992, so there was no accessible button. There was no accessible button going into the bathroom and even into the studio. Um, the doors were super heavy. And you go into a building that's built after and the requirements for a building to be accessible are very limited. They don't have the criteria that most buildings should have. And it's ironic that and I'm going to assume right now, the people that created the ADA may or may not have had experience in a wheelchair or maybe they have. I don't know. I don't want to speak on that. But if they were truly to think about it and get a wheelchair and measure the ramp incline and decline, if it's too high, the wheelchair could speed up traction by going downhill 
and going up the ramp gets really, really tired. Um, so I feel like with the technology that we have, we as a community, as a society, should really be focused on accessibility. When I was out of surgery, I used a walker. I was grateful that I was in a walker, using a walker, um, but I went to the rehab center and the bathroom door didn't even have a button on it and you're in rehab, like physical therapy, right? You would think that their bathroom would be accessible. Um, it was hard for me to get into the bathroom and come out of the bathroom. And this one person that was like picking up someone cut me off while waiting for the bathroom. And she went right in and completely ignored me. Um, when I was in the hospital, um, I had my own rooms, so the bathrooms weren't really a challenge. Like, with a walker, you need to kind of put the walker to the side and hold on to the sink and then brush your teeth and do all this stuff. And it was just a pain. Like, there was not really any space for the walker, I felt like. And yes, you're in the hospital for a short amount of time, but especially after surgery, you would think that they would make room for equipment. And this kind of goes towards how people treat people with disabilities, in my experience. And I was in the hospital. I was discharged to a different floor. I go down to that floor Someone brings me down there. And my nurse ended up being a nightmare. I had trouble turning. I had brain surgery, okay? I had trouble turning and getting my water and sipping it. And I had trouble swallowing. I had trouble talking. I was intubated. I needed to get my voice back. And... I spilled my water. So I called for the nurse and the nurse said, didn't say anything to me. And I was like, well, I spilled my water. I couldn't get it. May I have another blanket? She doesn't even come near me, doesn't even put a blanket on top of me, throws the blanket at me, doesn't take the blanket that's filled with water I ask her to help me readjust, and she goes, we only help people that are paralyzed. I literally almost started bawling my eyes out. And I was like, I just had brain surgery. I can't really turn. I'm not comfortable. And she didn't really care. Um, she, she was like at the desk because I could hear them. She was at the desk laughing and cackling with her nurse friends. Then she leaves and I get another nurse. I ask the nurse for the meds 
And she says, not right now. And I said, okay. So I get up. I move around. I go to the chair. And I'm just kind of doing my puzzles. Doing my coloring book. Because at this point, I was just super stressed. And then my nurse comes back in. And she was like, okay, I can give you the meds. The reason why I didn't want to give you the meds earlier is because you were still kind of sleeping and I didn't want anything to happen. I said, that's fair. I understand that. So she gives me my meds and then I told her about my situation. And she said, she didn't really say anything. She took my blanket and then asked me, is there anything else I can do? And I said, no, but thank you. When I would go out, when I was discharged from that hospital, I had trouble sleeping. My family was amazing through this time, and they are amazing currently. Um, And I was probably like a week out of discharge, and I would go um, and walk because my physical therapist wanted me to continue walking. So I would walk, I would go to the park, um, and people would kind of stare and didn't really know how to react because I'm a young adult with a walker having trouble walking and breathing. I would take so many different breaks. And then people would stop and talk with me. And... In that time, I just was grateful for that. And I pass like a camp or school and kids were going to the playground and um, one sprained their ankle. And I was walking, I was like, you know what? You can go first. And they're like, we're a little slow. And I was like, well, that makes two of us. And we kind of laughed. And the teacher goes, do you mind if I ask? And I was like, no, I had brain surgery a week ago. And she goes, a week ago? And you're up and walking? That's amazing. And I was like, you know what? The human body is amazing. The fact that I went through this major trauma surgery for my brain. And I was up walking, talking eating slowly everything was so slow it was like a snail pace and I regained back my balance I regained back the ability to walk without it I'm still building up my stamina and physical well-being and it was just the realization from the buildings themselves going up and down stairs, getting into my high, tall bed, and the amount of help I truly needed. And I received it. I couldn't shower on my own, so I would put my bathing suit on and someone would come in and help me, wash my hair for me. And by the time I was done with my hair and body I literally was exhausted and would have to go back to bed um 
and I realized that people are truly there to help. But it's how someone goes about helping someone else. Like, I've learned not to go behind someone in a wheelchair and just start pushing their wheelchair. Even if you don't even, if, even if you know them, be like, oh, do you want, like, help? Because a lot of people that do have a physical disability know how to manage and learned tools to help them get through. And like physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, they're all there to help navigate someone that has a long-term physical disability. And I have friends with all different abilities and I see them for the person. Like there's something called people first language where you address the person and not their disability. You see the person who they are. And as I went to school for recreational therapy, I realized how much society lacks the language around disability and accessibility. It takes someone that doesn't have a disability to then getting surgery to then realize that this society is not built for all individuals. Look at people with their left hand. I think there's notebooks now that are for left-handed people, but when I was going to school, all the books were for right-handed people. This world was built on right-handed people. That kind of leaves the left-handed people out and have to adapt. Well, that's the same exact thing as people with physical disabilities. The resources are there, but there's always time and there's always a list. And the amount of people that actually need the help from the state are put on a list and in hopes to get approved maybe the following year, maybe two years, maybe a month. So how can we as a society expand on that? And the ADA was revised in 2010. We're in 2023. It's been over 10 years that those regulations have been evaluated. From my experience, even as a child, I personally felt that schools would diagnose as soon as they could diagnose. They wouldn't let kids be kids. And this is completely my own opinion. I feel like sometimes they're quick to diagnose even if one thing is off. I was held back. 
and I was held back in kindergarten. And as a child, that has an effect, a long-term effect on someone. And even though you couldn't see my disability, you would probably catch on as a kid. When I was a kid, adults would probably catch on. Um, and then when I would like need extra help on a project or on a question or on anything, for the most part, I had amazing teachers. But when I got to high school, I felt as though some teachers just kind of wanted to pass me because my efforts were more valuable than the actual answer. I'm not a math person. Um, and then when I got to college, I was taking this science class. I was, I had a tutor. I went to office hours and the professor didn't know how else to teach me. So he literally said to me, I don't want to fail you, but this class isn't for you. I needed that class for myself to take my exam for RT. And then my advisor was like, well, you can take a different class instead. And I was like, well, don't I need it for the test? And she was like, well, do you want to take the test? And I was, like, up and down about the test. And so I didn't end up taking that class. I ended up taking another science class. And so, like, people do want to help people that have disabilities in the school system, but teachers need to learn how to reteach or find different ways to teach people so that they feel included instead of just telling them to drop a class. I also have this passion for inclusion. Inclusion is when everyone feels included all the time. And when I was teaching adaptive dancing, I was teaching through a studio, and the studio was amazing. They accommodated, and we would have people come in and do a group class, and if the teacher acts as though there's nothing wrong, not necessarily nothing wrong, but doesn't feel awkward around people with disabilities, then people will follow through and be like, okay, they're actually, like, they're not robots. And I just would make classes that were completely inclusive. And 
I educated able-bodied individual dancers on what will work and what will not work in a dance move because you don't want the wheelchair to run over your feet if you're dancing. And you don't want the dancer in the, using the wheelchair to get injured. So I had a coworker say to me, I know that you want to make things inclusive, but not everything needs to be inclusive. And I looked at them and I said, yeah, it should. Now, would I send a bronze student to a silver class? No, I would not send a bronze student to a silver class because they haven't developed those techniques. That's the same way as I would do it for someone that did use accessibility tools. And I felt like it actually came from a discomfort from them because they didn't know. And so I sat there and I actually taught the instructor what they should do. And so they ended up getting a little bit more comfortable and was like, wait, this is actually really cool. And I was like, yeah. Um, so it just takes education on people that don't have the education. And the word handicap is still being thrown around in today's society. And the word handicap comes from the term of when a company would hire someone with a disability, the company would actually go and have them go out onto the sidewalk with a hat or a cap in their hand and ask for money. So the term comes from hand in cap. And I want to do and educate people that use the term disability, use the term as the person has a disability or if you know what the person has the person has and then fill in the blank and it goes as easy as the disabled person the person that has a disability is how you change that and if you know the person's name obviously you just call them by their name um, and when you educate people about this, people tend to get a little weird about, and I was educating someone very close to me and I was like, so can I give you an educational lesson? Cause I'm very passionate about this. And they're like, sure. And then they're like, now I have to remember another thing. And I was like, well, it's just respectful. And then I realized that generations after generation have their own uniqueness to them. And I'm hoping that my generation can break the stigma of disabilities. 
and I hope that one day people that truly, truly need the assistance from the states get the assistance from the states. And I desire one day that buildings are fully accessible with wide enough elevators, with ramps that are easy to go up and down with. And that reminds me that there was a place I worked at and there was a ramp to go outside and the ramp wasn't even accessible. So like people couldn't be independent and get themselves up. So I would have to help them up. And I asked like maintenance, like, hey, can we like fix this? And they're like, there's nothing we can really do about it. And I'm like, well, there is, but okay. Um, you can always fix something if you decide to fix something. And I just have this craving that we change the viewpoint so that we are truly equal. It's going to take a long time. It's going to take a lot of education. It's going to take ambition. But I know we will get there somehow. And as for accessibility for cars, make more of them. Make company, car companies need to make more cars that are accessible. And have it be the same price as a car that an able-bodied person can use. I believe that with one stride, with one voice, in hopes that the listeners will do their research on the ADA. Because I feel like the ADA, which is American Disability Act, doesn't really get looked at all that often example, it was changed in 2010. And yeah, they made some enhancements, but the enhancements wasn't aren't where we should be today. And I know this was kind of a different route of what my podcasts have been about, but this is a passion of inclusion of mine. And I really hope that you got something out of it. And I am only going to do one episode currently for season five um, about the ADA and about accessibility, about people first language, my experience throughout my extra credit, throughout my surgery, I've first-handed experienced for a short amount of time what it was like. And think about 
when we progress older. When we get to certain ages, sometimes people need to use a roll aid. Some people need to use a walker. Some people need to use a wheelchair. You never know what life is going to throw at us. And I wasn't expecting to get surgery. And when I'm older, who knows what kind of accessible resources I'm going to have to be using. If I need to use a walker, I want to be able to use a bathroom that fits a walker and me in it. I want to be able to have a bathroom that the doors aren't heavy and have a button to help me get through it if I'm in a wheelchair. I want to be able to enter buildings without feeling like the ramp is too high or the hump getting into the door is too high. I want the education to be spread and I want the will to understand that we need to come together and voice outcomes that we experience in our lifetime. And the more people that speak up, the more traction this topic will get. I want to thank you all for listening to this season five, episode one of The Mystique Way in the ADA Accessibility and Inclusion. I hope you all have a fantastic day, evening, and I look forward to sharing more thoughts with everyone.